Violent leftist protesters interrupted a pro-Trump straight pride parade in Boston over the weekend, leading to dozens of arrests after they attacked police officers. Then, speaking of pride parades, Will and Grace stars Eric McCormick and Deborah Messing have called for the public outing and blacklisting of Trump supporters in Hollywood. We examine the animus against heterosexuals and conservatives, and we proudly proclaim, say it with me, we're straight. We want to make America great. Get used to it. Joe Biden gets caught in another major lie on the campaign trail because it's a day that ends in Y. Future also ran Beto O'Rourke continues to humiliate himself. And we examine Democrats' biggest vulnerability going into 2020. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. The straight pride parade actually happened. You remember during Pride Month, it used to be Pride Day and it was a Pride Parade, Now, then it was Pride Week and now it's Pride Month. Pretty soon it's going to be Pride all year long. Back when that happened in June, there were a group of these kind of trollish conservative types who said they were going to host a straight Pride Parade in Boston, which is pretty hilarious. And they actually pulled it off. However, the left was not happy about this. The left showed up in huge numbers. They totally outnumbered the guys marching in the straight pride parade and they got incredibly violent. They, they turned violent. They started attacking cops. They, uh, a lot of them were arrested. I think about 36 of them were arrested so far. This raises the question though, are there not straight leftists? Are there not homosexual conservatives? Of course there are. Why is this a political matter? Why did the straight pride parade become a pro-Trump parade? Well, it was sort of always that way. What it shows you is that LGBTQ alphabet pride and straight pride are not really about sex at all. They're about politics. You know, during Pride Month, the June Pride Month, I talked about how awful pride is. You know, only the left could take the deadliest of the seven deadly sins, the queen of all vices, to quote St. Gregory the Great, and turn it into the greatest virtue to celebrate pride. It's awful to celebrate pride. You should never celebrate pride. You should try to replace all the pride that you feel with humility, which is the beginning of virtue. So if the straight pride parade were actually about pride, then I would think it's just as bad as the gay pride parade. But it's not. It's about trolling. It's about trolling the actual pride parades, and that's why it's absolutely hilarious. You know, one of the main photos from the Trump, pro-Trump straight pride parade is actually of a man in a dress holding a big pro-Trump sign. He's a transgender woman, so he's a man who identifies as a woman, and he's there at the straight pride parade. Why? What, shouldn't he be at the gay pride parade or the LGBT pride parade? No, because the LGBT pride parade is now all about leftism. And and probably always was. And the straight pride parade is all about conservatism and making fun of pride parades in the first place. You got one of the main photos is a guy in drag. And at the gay pride parade at this point, the vast, vast majority of attendees are actually straight leftists who just want to signal how woke they are. So specifically, I think what it gets down to is that gay pride, LGBTQ pride is about tearing down the tradition, upending the tradition. It's not even really about sex at all. And the straight pride parade 
is about defending tradition. That's why there wasn't a whole lot of sexual imagery at the straight pride parade. It was a lot of American flags and MAGA hats and guys who just like America and want to make America great again. So of course it makes sense that Antifa and the radical left shows up to it. Here is a group of Antifa protesters drowning out the straight pride demonstrators. You can't even hear the straight pride demonstrators because Antifa's there screaming, specifically chanting about how much they like gay sex and hate police officers. And they're, they're, if, if you can't see it or if you haven't seen this photo, these are Antifa guys wearing some like really weird outfits. Some of them seem to be a little bit in the kind of sadomasochism genre. They're all carrying Antifa flags. They just look like a bunch of weirdos. But the thing to notice about them is there are many more of them than there are so-called straight pride marchers. So what actually happened? What does it mean for the future of sexual politics and politics generally? We'll get to that in a second. But first, as we see these crazy demonstrators getting violent over the weekend, don't forget how important safety is. And Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. You already know about their smart video doorbells and cameras that protect millions of people everywhere. Ring helps you stay connected to your home anywhere in the world. Obviously, safety really matters to me. People get very, very violent these days, especially because of politics. So if you're in my line of work or if you're listening to this right now, you probably have some strong political views things are getting violent out there. Make sure that you stay safe. Ring helps you be at home even when you're not at home. So you could be in your bedroom, you could be in the office, you could be on a beach somewhere, you could be circling the world on uh, the International Space Station, you know, you could be anywhere. And you, if you get a delivery, for instance, a package delivery or a surprise visitor, you can get an alert. You'll be able to see here and speak to whoever's at the door all from your phone. So maybe it's the nice delivery man. Maybe it's a bad guy trying to rob you. Maybe it's your mother-in-law. Maybe I don't even know which is the worst of all those three choices. With Ring, you can know you can make that decision. That's thanks to the HT video and two-way audio features on Ring devices. And it just gives you peace of mind. You know, for instance, I have this, uh, these friends that I gave a ring to as a housewarming gift. And they were really nervous. They thought someone was like invading their house. They thought they had people creeping around at night. Then they looked at their ring and they realized it was a possum that was going back and forth past the, the door. And if it were me, I'd probably go out there with my gun and take care of the possum, but they're much nicer than I am. So now they, they hear this, they don't wake up in a cold sweat. They know exactly what they're getting. It just gives you peace of mind to know that you are safe, that you are protected. As a listener, you have a special offer on a Ring Starter Kit available right now with a video doorbell and motion-activated floodlight cam. The Starter Kit has everything you need to start building a ring of security around your home. Go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That is ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. So what actually happened at the Straight Pride Parade? You had 200 Straight Pride marchers. You had thousands of protesters. 36 Antifa leftist thugs get arrested and charged, a bunch of officers assaulted. So just right here, just in those numbers, this exposes one of the big lies of pride and the whole pride movement. The thesis, the idea behind the pride parade and the pride month is that straight people are the oppressors 
and heterosexuality is just the dominant and oppressive culture, and it's unfair and it's discriminatory toward LGBTQ alphabet people. But that's not the case. What this parade shows is it's actually exactly the opposite. The culture is inclined in every way toward every other sexual preference other than what we would call traditional marriage. 200 people trolling the concept of pride, thousands and thousands of people protesting the ones protesting the pride. And guess what? The 200 straight pride pro-Trump marchers, they were not the ones who were getting violent. It was the Antifa leftist thugs who were. Tells you a lot about the culture. And this is why I love the straight pride meme. It just exposes hypocrisy. It's kind of like in uh, Dave Chappelle's recent stand-up special. It's the same exposing hypocrisy. You know, Chappelle, I I I don't want to ruin it. If you haven't seen the special, close your ears for 10 seconds. Chappelle does this joke, and the joke is this. He says, men shouldn't have an opinion about abortion, right? Woman's body, woman's choice. Men shouldn't have an opinion. However, if a woman chooses not to get an abortion and the man wants the woman to get an abortion, then he should not have to pay to support the kid. His money, his choice. If she can kill the baby, he can at least abandon the baby. And then Chappelle has this line. It's, It's one of the best lines of the whole special. He says, and if I'm wrong, maybe we're wrong. Figure that out for yourselves. He sets the whole thing up with the logic of the left, the logic of abortion. And then when he gets to the logical conclusion of it, which is, well, all right, if you can kill it, I can at least abandon it. Then I don't have to pay to support it. When, when the audience necessarily objects to that, then he says, hmm, maybe if I'm wrong, maybe we're wrong. That is the same idea with the straight pride parade. The straight pride parade is objectionable and ridiculous. I think the organizers would tell you that. They'd say, yeah, it's absurd to go out and celebrate your sexual preferences. Oh yeah, these certain things really sexually titillate me. Let's hold a parade for it. Doesn't make any sense. It's ridiculous. That's objectionable. But if that's wrong, maybe all pride parades are wrong. Figure that out for yourselves. This is it. The protesters do have a point when they're protesting the straight pride parade, but they only protest the straight pride parade. They don't protest the gay pride parade or the this pride parade, or uh, it's not even just gay pride anymore. It's straight, it's uh, skinny pride, fat pride, slut pride, slut marches, all it's all of this pride. But if pride is wrong for one group, then pride is wrong for the other groups. It's the same thing a few years ago. A bunch of these white pride racial politics types were putting up signs on university campuses that said, it's okay to be white. And of, of course, the, that statement in itself is completely unobjectionable. Who would disagree with that statement? But the reason they put it up is to provoke the response that it did provoke, which is people saying, this is awful. It's terrible. It's not okay to be white. It's bad to be white. It's, you say, well, hold on a second. If, why is it okay to be one race, but not another race? Really what they were provoking, I mean, I think we would all agree white pride, racial pride movements are ridiculous and objectionable. But if white pride is ridiculous and objectionable, then so is black pride. Then so is Hispanic pride. You know, there's an organization on university campuses. They've recently had to rename themselves because it was just so egregious what they were called. The, the organization's called La Raza. 
which literally means the race, and it's to celebrate Hispanic supremacy. It's based on an essay from the early 20th century from a Mexican writer called La Raza Cosmica, about how much better Hispanics are than every other race. Just purely a, a racial supremacist tract, and that's what the organization's based on. There was that judge, the judge that President Trump attacked for being of Mexican descent. One of the defenses of Trump attacking him is that the judge was a member of a group called La Raza. He actually was in a group, the name of which began with racial pride. So yeah, we all agree. I mean, to ground your identity, to ground your pride, to take great pride in the color of your skin is ridiculous. But if it's ridiculous for one racial group, then it's ridiculous for all racial groups. You know, these sort of trollish events are a great way to handle this. Humor is a great way to expose hypocrisy. Humor is a great way to reveal reality. And so I I encourage it. As long as we have pride parades, then we should have people making fun of pride parades. As long as we have pride parades that purport to focus on sex when really they're just about leftism, then we should have fake pride parades that purport to focus on sex that really just talk about defending America waving the American flag and have transgender people in the front row with the sign that says pro-Trump. Say it loud. Say it proud. We're straight. We want to make America great. Get used to it. Speaking of hypocrisy and sexual pride, we've got to get to Hollywood just showing their cards, totally exposing themselves. And let me tell you, Hollywood knows a thing or two about exposing themselves if you haven't followed the Me Too story. But a lot of conservatives are upset about this story. I actually think it's great. You've got some major Hollywood stars coming out and openly calling for the blacklisting of conservatives from the entertainment industry. We'll get to that in a second. But first, we have got to talk about your family history and Ancestry.com. I love Ancestry. I've been a fan of Ancestry for years and years. You can discover more about your relatives, more about your own story by combining an Ancestry DNA test with billions of historical family records. I I was using Ancestry before the DNA test even existed. Then I took the DNA test and it told me so much more about my family's history, where people moved from, how they went from here in Italy to this place over here, and then they combined and then half my family came from Northern Europe. Ancestry DNA gives you so much more than just the places you're from. Ancestry connects you to the places in the world where your story started using precise geographic detail and clear-cut historical insights. And so you can see how your family moved, how we all ended up in America. But what I love about it is is the personal story. Because I actually don't really care what regions my family came from exactly. What I care about is combining it with Ancestry's incredible genealogical uh, resources so that I can find out about my great-grandfather, John Knowles and my great-grandfather Simon Knowles, both of whom fought at Bunker Hill. Then John was killed there. Simon went on to Valley Forge with George Washington, fought throughout the rest of the American Revolution. You can go all the way back. I found out I've got not one but four ancestors on the Mayflower, one of whom was a pilgrim, three of whom were absolute derelicts. One guy, John Billington, I think his name is, is, uh, was the first guy executed for murder in the New World. Tells you a little bit about where I descend from. You just learn these incredible stories and you can go back way, way further. To amplify your results, you can start a free trial on Ancestry. Build your family tree so your ancestors, ancestors rather, become more than just a name. They've combined DNA results with over 100 million family trees and billions of records to give you more insight into your genealogy 
and origins. It can tell an incredibly rich story. It can tell all about the events that shaped your, your ancestors. It's just absolutely incredible. It's easy to get started. Go to Ancestry.com slash podcast today for 20% off. That is 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. Ancestry.com slash podcast for 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. Ancestry.com slash podcast. Really, really cool to check it out. Speaking of hypocrisy and sexual pride, we've got to get to Hollywood. So President Trump is holding a fundraiser in Beverly Hills. The Hollywood left is not thrilled about it, as you might imagine. So Eric McCormack, who plays Will on the show Will and Grace, a very left-wing show, and it was the first major uh, gay show. Uh, I guess Ellen DeGeneres' show as well, but Will and Grace was really a big moment for... uh, homosexuality in the culture. Eric McCormack tweets out, quote, hey, Hollywood reporter, kindly report on everyone attending the Trump fundraiser so the rest of us can be clear about who we don't want to work with. Thanks. Now, this was news to me because Eric McCormack's show, the the reboot of Will and Grace, just got canceled a month ago because no one liked it because it was screechy and liberal and everyone hated it. It was much worse even than the first go around. So I didn't know that Eric McCormack had the chance to work with anybody right now to begin with, but I guess apparently he thinks he does at least. So he says explicitly, you need to publish the list of people going to this fundraiser so that we know who to blackball, so that we know who not to hire, so we know who to, to take their livelihoods away because they are conservative. You see, they have politics that half the country have, and we have politics that the other half of the country have, so we are never going to work with them again. Deborah Messing, who plays Grace on Will and Grace, tweeted out basically the same thing. Please print a list of all attendees, please. The public has a right to know. First of all, the public does not have a right to know. Absolutely does not have a right to know. There used to be something called politeness and civility where you just you wouldn't ask people their political views or their religious views. You wouldn't insist on it, on outing people. We have a secret ballot for a reason. We have a secret ballot so that vindictive leftist bullies and McCarthyites like uh, Will and Grace over here can't pressure you into voting for their candidate, can't intimidate you and say, we'll take away your job and your money if you don't vote the way that we want to vote. The comparisons are being made to Joe McCarthy. That's what they're calling them McCarthyites. And in some ways they're behaving like McCarthyites, but it's important to realize here, Will and Grace are way worse than Joe McCarthy. At least Joe McCarthy, the anti-communist late Senator, at least Joe McCarthy was fighting America's enemies. Maybe he wasn't doing it in the most effective way, but at least he was going after communists who had infiltrated the culture and the government. Will and Grace are going after people who support the U.S. president. Will and Grace are going after people who wear hats that say, make America great again. That's categorically different. Will and Grace want to blacklist people who support this country. It shows you how perverse Hollywood is. You know, in 1999, the great director, Elia Kazan, won an honorary Oscar, and he won the Oscar for his incredible career. And Ilya Kazan became controversial in Hollywood because he named names to the House Un-American Activities Committee, which was trying to root out communists. And people uh, conflate the House Un-American Activities Committee, HUAC, with Joe McCarthy and McCarthyism. But you have to remember, Joe McCarthy didn't have anything to do with HUAC. Joe McCarthy was a senator, not a member of the House. 
regardless, it's a minor historical point. Uh, when Ilya Kazan won his award, because he named names, he named communists that he knew who were actual communists working in Hollywood, a number of Hollywood stars refused to stand up, refused to applaud. Ian McKellen, uh, Ed Harris, major, major stars. So how many of those Hollywood stars are now going to shun Eric McCormack and Deborah Messing for their far worse McCarthyism? Probably not very many. You know, the silver lining of this incident, I think, is it's Hollywood finally admitting there is a blacklist. I think I know just about every conservative in Hollywood. And the reason is it's a small community. There just aren't that many. At least there aren't that many who are kind of well-known names. There are a lot of, especially behind the camera, there are a lot of people who are gaffers, who are working on shows, who are conservative, and they have to keep their heads down and keep their mouths shut because they could lose their jobs. But this is certainly true among actors and writers. I mean, just to use Drew, Drew as an example, Drew has lost millions of dollars because he openly outed himself as a conservative. You know, it's another one of these lies that this, that this is exposing is the idea is that the culture is so conservative. That's the default position. And to come out as gay is so dangerous. It's so difficult. It's so hard. In Hollywood, it's exactly the opposite. If you come out as gay, you'll, you're probably going to have an easier time working. Here's an experiment. Go out there and say, Hey, I'm gay in Hollywood. See what happens to your career. And then go out and say, hey, I support Donald Trump in Hollywood. See what happens to your career. I guarantee you, if you come out and say you support Donald Trump, you will not work. I mean, I've, I've seen it real up close. And for years and years, Hollywood said, there's no blacklist. What do you t- hey, Clint, East- Clint Eastwood still works. John Voight still works. There are a couple of Hollywood stars who have been open about their conservative politics, and they work. You say, yeah, of course, these superstars who were so big and so rich and so famous, you can't possibly touch them. They work. What about the stars whose names maybe you know, but maybe you've forgotten because they stopped working? Or some people who you've seen, but you don't quite remember their names. It's those guys who do get blacklisted. I could name all of them. I can name a whole lot of them right now, but I won't do it because if if you say their names, it, it even further compromises their chance of working in Hollywood. And for years they said, no, it's just conservatives aren't good at art. They're not good at writing. They're not good at acting. BS. It's because there is an active movement in Hollywood to shut down conservatives. And you don't need to take my word for it anymore. Deborah Messing and Eric McCormack just admitted it. They're being more open. I think it's great. I want more of that. Some people, even conservatives fret. They say, oh, I just missed the time when everyone was nice when people didn't use these, this kind of language. When, I don't, because back in those days, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the left was just hiding it. They were hiding their bias in the media, hiding their bias in Hollywood, hiding the blacklist, hiding the vindictive, vindictiveness. Now they're being open about it. I want them to be open. I want it to be honest. Light has a very good disinfectant quality. And I think maybe the, the hallmark of the Trump administration is just opening things up and shining light on the corruption in the federal agencies, in the mainstream media, in the press, in Hollywood. If Trump accomplished nothing else, if he doesn't build one inch of wall, which he might not build one inch of new wall, you would at least get that advantage of opening up this this really corrosive political environment in this country and opening it up to examination and opening it up to a little bit of light. You know, 
if you've got Hollywood going out and saying, we don't ever want to work with conservatives, we want to blackball them. That's basically the left doubling down on the strategy of Hillary Clinton in 2016, when she said half the country is deplorable and irredeemable. Strategy didn't work very well for Democrats then. I don't think it's going to work very well if they keep that up in 2020. And the Democrats are in a huge amount of trouble in 2020. Just look at their front runner, poor old Joe Biden. Joe Biden now, before we get to his real flaw, before we get to what is actually going to, I think, leave them very vulnerable in 2020, just get to the radicalism. Just look at the radicalism, which is not their biggest problem, but it is the sign of a bigger problem. Joe Biden, who used to be the moderate guy, right? Good old Joe, working class kid from Scranton. That guy is now endorsing the most radical proposals on some of the most hot button issues. So there was that awful shooting that happened over the weekend. Joe Biden comes out. He's not just calling to limit certain firearms, to limit certain magazines such that you can only get a 30 round magazine or a 10 round magazine. He is now calling for any, any gun that can hold more than one round at a time to be banned. Joe Biden is basically saying every gun that isn't a Derringer needs to be banned from this country. The idea that we don't have elimination of assault type weapons, magazines that can hold multiple bullets in them is absolutely mindless. It is no violation of the Second Amendment. It is uh, it's just a, a bow to the special interest of the gun manufacturers in the NRA. It's got to stop. You want to talk about special interests. I think this is evidence because it's such a nonsensical proposal to limit guns to only having one bullet. I think this is evidence. Joe Biden is clearly in the hands of Big Derringer. You know that Derringer lobby has been laying dormant for a very long time, and now those lobbyists have gone in and they bought off Joe. This is, of course, mindless, and of course it is a violation of the Second Amendment to ban any gun that can hold more than one round at a time. This would have been a violation of the Second Amendment, uh, certainly at the ratification of the Constitution, and every time since then, we have always permitted guns that hold more than one round at a time. That's virtually every single gun, truly, other than those little tiny Derringers where you pull it and it's got one bullet in it. These are not the sort of proposals that are made by a political party that thinks it has a good chance of winning the White House. That's really what it tells you. I'm not that worried that Joe Biden is going to be able to ban, you know, every kind of uh, gun other than the Derringers. What this shows you is the Democrats feel insecure. They, they feel unconfident. You know, Biden is moving to the left because his Democrat base is demanding it. But Americans love guns. Recent surveys on the, even the so-called high capacity magazines that hold, you know, 20 rounds, 30 rounds, 40 rounds, whatever, show that the country is roughly split on the issue. It's about half and half. Want to keep even large high capacity magazines and then the other half wants to limit it to 10 or even fewer rounds per magazine. Now imagine if you changed that survey question to not high capacity magazines, but magazines period, any magazine at all. Something tells me the overwhelming majority of Americans would believe that we should still be allowed to have magazines for our guns. Future also ran Beto O'Rourke is similarly calling for the confiscation of guns. And, and Bernie Sanders is making even crazier proposals than that. We'll, we'll get to what this all is pointing toward because Joe Biden's big vulnerability is not even the radicalism. The radicalism is a symptom of what's going on. The big vulnerability runs 
much, much deeper in the Democratic Party. And unless that party changes course, I think they're going to have to kiss 2020 goodbye. We'll get to all of that in a second. But first, I've got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Go on over to dailywire.com. Check it out. Obviously, you get me, you get the Andrew Clavin Show, you get the Ben Shapiro Show, you get the Matt Walsh Show, you get to ask questions in the mailbag coming up on Thursday. You get to ask questions backstage coming up as well. Most importantly, you get the Leftist Tears Tumblr, $9.99 a month, but when you get an annual membership for just under 100 bucks, you get the Leftist Tears Tumblr and you certainly need it. You can't watch videos of the Straight Pride Parade without the Leftist Tears Tumblr. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Biden wants to ban every gun, virtually every gun in the country, other than the single shot Derringer. Future also ran Beto O'Rourke is actually sort of moderate in comparison. Beto O'Rourke is merely calling for the confiscation of semi-automatic rifles. How do you address the fears that the government is going to take away the uh, assault rifles, as you call them, if you're talking about buybacks and banning? Yeah. So I, I want to be really clear that um, that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, Americans will, who own AR-15s, AK-47s, will have to sell them to the government. We're, we're not going to allow them to stay on our streets, to show up in our communities. The AR-15 is the most popular gun in America. What Beto O'Rourke is saying is no. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to clarify and moderate my remarks. I'm not going to moderate them. We're going to take away the most popular guns in the country, and we're not going to do it based on any evidence that it would lower deaths related to guns in any significant way. It wouldn't. If you wanted to reduce gun deaths, you would ban pistols and handguns rather than any sort of rifle. You are 22 times as likely to be killed with a handgun as you are with a rifle of any kind. More people are killed each year with hands, feet, hammers, and bats than they are with rifles, including the assault weapon AR-15 semi-auto rifles. So it's, it's just a temper tantrum is really what he's throwing, a radical temper tantrum. And this is how he reacted to the recent tragic shooting over the weekend. His reaction to gun deaths, which just to insert some facts into the discussion, I know you're not really supposed to do that, but if you look at gun deaths today compared to 30 years ago, we're moving in the right direction. Now there is a spike in, for instance, suicides. That's very bad. That has to be taken care of. But when you're looking at gun homicides, the numbers are moving in the right direction compared to say the early nineties or the mid nineties. So Beto doesn't pay attention to the facts. He just goes on TV, calls to abolish the second amendment. And then his other big solution, this is how you know he's a super serious candidate, really confident, totally ready to take back the white house. His big solution is to say the F word on CNN. The rhetoric that we've used, the thoughts and prayers that you just referred to, it has done nothing to stop the epidemic of gun violence, to protect our kids, our families, our fellow Americans in public places. At a Walmart in El Paso where 22 were killed, in Sutherland Springs, in a church, uh, one or two a day all over this country, 100 killed daily in the United States of America. We're averaging about 300 mass shootings a year, no other country comes close. So yes, this is f***ed up. And if we don't call it out for what it is, if we're not uh, able to speak clearly, if we're not able to act decisively, then we will continue to have this kind of bloodshed in America. The good news is, fortunately, uh, people on CNN, uh, people, people don't watch CNN, so you won't have to uh, worry about the kids seeing this. 
other than people walking by airports. That's his reaction. Say the F word on CNN. This is not the way that a confident candidate speaks. This is not the way that a confident party speaks. This is the way that insecure people speak. You can even see it in comedy. You know, comedians go blue when they need a crutch to rely on. That's when they really go blue. You know, they're kind of in the daily show sort of left-wing comedy way of doing things. They'll play a clip of a conservative and then he'll just say something and then they won't be able to make a joke about it. So they'll say, what the F? What the and then if the, the conservative says a statement, let's say, you know, the sky is blue. Then the, the, con, uh, the liberal comedian version of that is they'll cut back to him and he'll say, the sky is effing blue, as though just saying the F word means something. It doesn't. People go blue. They rely on that crutch when they're not confident in what they're actually saying. If this is true of comedians, this is definitely true of politicians. <laughs> Obviously, this is true of politicians who go blue on TV even more radical. You'd think that banning the most popular gun in America, banning all guns other than a Derringer, you'd think that would be radical. Even more radical. Four days ago, Bernie Sanders, another top tier candidate for the Democrats in 2020, called for a meat tax to battle climate change. He wants to tax meat. He wants you to stop eating meat, or at least reduce the amount of meat that you're eating. Not exactly the most popular proposal. This is not the sort of proposal that candidates who want to win a majority of Americans put out. Americans love meat. Americans love meat more than Americans love guns. There was a poll out a couple years ago confirmed Americans still love meat. 20% of people responding to this poll said that they intend to eat bacon every day of their lives, which probably will not last very long if they're eating bacon every single day. But that's 20, more than one in five Americans fully intends to eat bacon. Not even just, you know, a cow, but a pig. Apparently pigs are like kind of smart, you know. They'll eat bacon every day for the rest of their lives. And yet you've got a top tier Democratic candidate saying, well, we need to tax meat. We need less meat in this country. You know that thing that you love? We got to do less of it. This radicalism shows that the Democrats are in trouble. And if Biden is the nominee, don't forget, he is still the front runner. I mean, it's easy to forget that because he's just a bumbling old doofus. But, and he, and by the way, he's not just a doofus because he's old. He's been a doofus for his entire career. If the Democrats nominate Biden, it will not be the radicalism that gets him. What it will be is the hypocrisy. What it will be is that the Democrats are not offering America anything that they don't already have in Trump. What it will be is the lies. You know, Biden, Biden's whole campaign pitch is that he is more honest and has better character than President Trump. Except he doesn't. From the very first moment of his announcement video, he talked about how America needs to win her soul back, and Joe is going to restore the soul of America, and the character, and the honesty, and the integrity. But he doesn't have better character than Trump. I'm not even saying that Trump has the greatest character in the world, that he's a walking saint. What I'm saying is, Joe Biden has no better character than the president. Now, we know that Joe Biden's not more successful than Trump. We know he's not smarter than Trump. We know he's not more energetic than Trump. Again, this is saying nothing really about Trump. It's just pointing out Biden's flaws. The only pitch Biden can make is, I'm more honest. I have greater integrity. I've got better character. And the reality is that he doesn't. Joe Biden just got caught in a big lie. Not even the kind of typical lie that Joe Biden tells all the time. This was a lie about 
pinning medals on heroic servicemen. This is a lie, an elaborately constructed story where Joe Biden says, you mark my words. All of my honor as a Biden is going behind this story. It's a 100% true story. And then it turns out he completely made it up. I've been in and out of Afghanistan and Iraq over 30 times. I pinned medals on silver stars on soldiers up in the upper Konar Valley in the middle of a firestorm the poor guys have gone through. Young Navy captain, Navy, Navy, up in the mountains in the Konar Valley in Afghanistan. One of his buddies got shot, fell down a ravine about 60 feet. Four-star general asked me whether I'd go up into the fob. Now everybody got concerned, a vice president going up in the middle of this, but there was, we can lose a vice president. We can't lose many more of these kids. Not a joke. This guy climbed down a ravine, carried this guy up on his back under fire, and the general wanted me to pin the silver star on him. I got up there and stand, this is God's truth, my word is a Biden. He stood at his attention. I went to pin him, I said, sir, I don't want the damn thing. Do not pin it on me, sir, please, sir. Do not do that. He died. He died. God's honest truth. My word is a Biden. Except that my word is a Biden is completely worthless because Joe Biden is one of the most famous and prolific liars in American politics. Even by the standard of politicians, all of whom lie, Joe Biden is one of the most egregious offenders. Virtually everything he said there is untrue. The Washington Post found out. The Washington Post, it wasn't even a conservative who went after him. These were left-wing outlets that went out and fact-checked this. That when this alleged incident happened, Joe Biden was not the vice president. He was a senator when he made that visit. The service member he referred to was an army specialist, not a Navy captain. And Biden wasn't even the guy who pinned the medal. I think it was Obama who pinned that medal. Nothing about the story was true. Completely fictional jumbling up a few facts from totally different separate events and then rewriting everything and turning it into a work of fiction. And when Joe Biden was called out for it, he brushed it all off. He said, quote, I don't understand what they're talking about, but the central point is it was absolutely accurate what I said, which it was not. It was the opposite of absolutely accurate. He gets caught in a major lie and then he lies again to defend it. So the question is, is he losing his marbles? Is this just senility creeping in or is he a pathological liar? He is losing his marbles. Doesn't look good to people who already think he's showing signs of mental decline, which is virtually everybody. You know, there have been headlines. A splinter had this headline. Joe Biden's mental decline is impossible to ignore. Vanity Fair said Biden advisors worry the gaffes are becoming a problem. The weak says Joe Biden's age is a problem and Trump is no excuse. Even the Washington Post is Joe Biden too old. So he is losing his marbles and this doesn't look good to those people. I actually don't think this is age related. I think this shows something we've known for a while, which is that Joe Biden has absolutely no regard for the truth. It's not even like he's an intentional, deceiving, fraudster liar. Sometimes I guess he tells the truth, but it's only accidental. He just simply doesn't care. He doesn't care whether what he's saying is the truth or not. And you, you see this very clearly in his response to it. They said, uh, Mr. Former Vice President Biden, everything you said was a lie. He said, yeah, but it was really, it was true. Obviously it was not. 
Now, Biden has been a liar for his whole career. In 1988, he had to drop out of the presidential race because he lied about his law school transcripts. And then he stole speeches from an Irish politician and thought he wouldn't get caught. But it isn't even just these sorts of lies, you know, the self-aggrandizing lies that virtually every politician tells. He also tells malicious and gratuitous lies about other people. You know, the most disturbing one, and very few people report on this, Joe Biden lied about the death of his wife and daughter, tragic death in a car accident in 1972. Biden's wife and daughter were killed in a car accident, and the police concluded definitively that the other driver involved was not at fault. He was innocent. He wasn't under the influence of drugs or alcohol. He, it was just an accident. It was a tragic accident. The incident weighed on this driver, his name is Curtis Dunn, until his death in 1999. And then, almost immediately after that driver died, Joe Biden started baselessly smearing him as a drunk driver. He'd used it in campaign speeches all the time. He said, you know, my wife and daughter were killed by a guy who, it was said he drank his lunch rather than ate his lunch. Another time, Joe Biden said, oh, you know, he had pulled over to a bar earlier in the day, drunk driver, completely baseless. He just, about, about the most tragic event in one's life. Even the Atlantic, a very left-wing outlet, called him out for this in 2010. It was so bizarre, such a needless lie. If Democrats are running against President Trump's alleged dishonesty and character flaws, which is what they're doing, it's hard to imagine a worse candidate to go against him than Joe Biden. You know, if the Democrats nominate Liz Warren, at least she has something to offer. I mean, that screechy, awful voice, you know, we, we might say, okay, all right, if, if you promise not to speak for four years, I'll vote for you just to stop that yelling on the campaign trail. She at least, it, look, she's very intelligent. That is one thing really you could say about Elizabeth Warren. She's been raising heap big wampum on the campaign trail from donors. She, you know, she's got certain characteristics that she brings to the race. Even Bernie Sanders, you know, Bernie, who's a thousand years old too, but he is a hardline socialist. He, it's a hundred year old, 150 year old failed ideology that's wrought misery wherever it's been tried, but at least he's honest. At least he does seem to believe something. When, when Bernie Sanders believes in socialism, he doesn't just go wishy-washy. He flies to the Soviet Union for his honeymoon, takes his shirt off, swilling vodka with the Ruskies, and, and sings communist folk songs. I mean, he really goes all the way. Joe Biden doesn't have that. He doesn't believe in anything. He was in politics for 50 years and accomplished nothing other than one good crime bill in 1994, which he now has to run against because the Democratic Party hates law enforcement and wants to spring criminals from all the jails. So he's got nothing substantive to run on. He's held every side of every issue. He was against taxpayer funding for abortion before he was for taxpayer funding of abortion. He was for gun rights before he was against gun rights. Now he wants to get rid of every single gun in the country, in, in, except for whimsical little one-shot 19th century pistols. All of those sort of things. The only thing he has to run on is, I'm good old Joe. I might not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but gosh darn it, you can trust me. I believe what I, I'm an earnest guy. I'm sincere. I have good character. I've got integrity. He doesn't. He doesn't. 
And the Democrats can't really run against anything else, at least not right now. The economy is doing great. Unemployment is at record lows. Manufacturing and consumer confidence are really high. We have relative peace abroad. They can't run against those things. Even the trade negotiations, which have been extraordinarily dangerous, have basically been working. We'll see what happens with China. That's still ongoing. But with Mexico, it worked. With the renegotiation of NAFTA, it worked. So the only thing they can run on are these kind of mannered political questions. You know, the way that Trump speaks, the way that he tweets, the things he says. And if Joe Biden is going to be the nominee, if he's going to run on integrity and character, he's got nothing. And Trump will win 57 states, if that is the case. They've got to change course if the Democrats want to have a choice. All right, that's our show. We've got a lot more to get to, but we'll have to get to it tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you then. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Rebecca Dobkowitz, director Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our senior producer is Jonathan Hay, supervising producer Mathis Glover, technical producer Austin Stevens, editor Danny D'Amico. Our audio mixer is Mike Coromina, hair and makeup by Jesua Olvera, production assistant Nick Sheehan. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. What do the Jeffrey Epstein case and Brexit have in common? A lot. They're both examples of the fight we're in, which is a fight to preserve freedom and to take down an entrenched elite. I'll show you what I mean. On The Andrew Claven Show, I'm Andrew Claven.